This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. Welcome to Beyond the Bell Tower, the podcast for TRIO students at NC State by TRIO students. And this is our first Zoom recording podcast, so we'll see how that goes and figuring that all out. Um, yeah, so thank you, Grace, who's here with our first Zoom meeting. So today we are talking to Grace Yoshiaro. She is a graduating senior. Actually, she just graduated last month. And we are going to talk to her about a couple of different things. The We are using Zoom now due to COVID-19 and the university's closure of campus. So this is in June of 2020. In March 2020, the campus went to all virtual, so no students were on campus. All classes were online, and most of the staff worked from home, and everything, almost everything was closed, library, rec, and wellness, etc., that is what we will, that's a huge impact and we are experiencing this, this will end up being a historical moment or <laughs> thing. There's a lot of negative, obviously like very serious negative consequences, but I know for Grace, what we're going to talk about today is that it was especially difficult because of 
not having a graduation ceremony. Um, and so, um, so Grace will be talking about that. We'll start off with that. But if Grace, if you can introduce yourself and tell us all about you. Okay. Um, so my name is Grace, and I just graduated from NC State School College of Management with a BS in Business Administration with a marketing concentration. My background, I was born in Japan and lived there for five years, and then I moved to Ghana, lived there for six years, and I moved to Greensboro, North Carolina when I was 11, and I've been here since. What else did you want me to say in terms of background? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, major why you chose NC State, and even your one of your best memories at okay. NC State. Yeah. So I chose to come to NC State. I was actually debating between State or Chapel Hill. I got into both, mm -hmm. but I ultimately mm -hmm. chose NC State because I really like, I like the theme, think and do. I think it's mm -hmm. very, you think of an idea and you do it. I think that's very goal-driven, very uh, goal-oriented, so I really like that catchphrase. Mm -hmm. And I just really like the way NC State is very innovative and it presented itself as like a industry leader in terms of innovation and education all merged together. So that's why I chose NC State. And I would definitely say some of my favorite memories at NC State throughout these years were the people that I met. The education was fantastic as well, it was hard. But I think the people that I met helped make my experience very cohesive and very wholesome. And I know those are relationships that will last forever, even if I forget the materials that I learned in class. So, <laughs> And you have been in trios your entire time here? Yes. Or, yep. And then you were in the PAC Promise program mm -hmm. also. Yep. And PAC Promise is a financial aid program um, that assists students with reducing their student loan debt. So... And also, Grace has done a lot of very cool things with regard to her internships <laughs> and all of that. I guess we can start with how your identity, how you define yourself and how others have defined you, has impacted your experiences here at NC State. Okay. So, um, as I mentioned, I'm multicultural. I'm half Asian. I'm half African. And when I moved to America, I also fall underneath the first-gen student and the low-income student. So when I first started NC State, there were a lot of programs and events that kind of tell you that, oh, you're a low-income student and you're first-gen, so things are going to be a little bit hard, but you just have to push through and you're this and you're that. And it, it, for me, it almost felt like that identity was kind of being pushed onto me. Like, mm -hmm. yes, my name is Grace and I'm a low income student and I'm a first gen. But mm -hmm. I knew that wasn't, that was just a circumstance and my circumstance doesn't define who I am or my identity. So yeah, I happened to fall under those umbrella, but I chose to make sure the story ended differently. So I actively pursued high GPA, Dean's List and graduate with honors, I pursued doing certain internships and making myself marketable in comparison to other people who didn't fall under the umbrella. I'm being active in campus organizations and different leadership involvements, making connections with career coaches and networking. So at the end of my story or my college story, when I graduated, mm -hmm. it wasn't 
Grace is a low-income student who was able to survive college, but no, it's mm -hmm. Grace is a successful NC State student, just like everyone else is a successful mm -hmm. NC State student. So that's kind mm -hmm. of how I, I didn't let my circumstance define my identity. And did you have other experiences similar to that, where people had made the assumption, like, it's going to be difficult for you? Without even knowing you, just, yeah, the boxes that you check or you, the affinity groups that you belong to? I would say, yes. You know, or, mm -hmm. I would say, especially as a minority, you're kind of, it's like the way everything is presented to you, like in terms of media, in terms of the things professors saying, people might say, there, mm -hmm. it's almost like they're expecting things to be hard for you. So you need to kind of like armor up. But mm -hmm. I guess for me, I always knew like life is not easy for anyone. So I mm -hmm. always knew that even if I had to work two times as hard, I was mm -hmm. willing to do it. So I never saw mm -hmm. that as a setback or anything. I always just pursued right. what I had to pursue and I didn't let mm -hmm. my circumstance hold me mm -hmm. back. Yeah, because what is the impact when somebody says to you or society even says, you're going to struggle? I think then you start, you get scared. Because I think that mm -hmm. there's many instances in my life where that has happened to me where I'm told I'm going to struggle. Then it's like, oh gosh, and I'm going to struggle. Or like you're going to a job interview and they tell you, mm -hmm things like NC State does this, like they tell you things like you have to have your hair pulled up a certain way and wear this kind of thing and that. And I'm just like, oh gosh, it's going to be so hard. And then when you feel insecure, it shows. And then when you mm -hmm. are insecure to anyone that you're communicating with, then you're not, people aren't as receptive to who you are and what you're trying to communicate. So I think when those kind of identities are pushed onto you, it almost like inadvertently causes you to hold yourself back, which mm -hmm. is why I didn't, I didn't conform to the identities that were shoved onto me because that wasn't who I am. <laughs> so what's your advice to other students who are having the same experiences as mm -hmm. you? I would say there's a, you should disting distinguish for yourself what is your identity and what is your circumstance. Mm -hmm. Society, life, parents, whatever, they define your circumstances because you don't get to choose where you're born or how much money is mm -hmm. given to you but you define your identity. So if you know, for me, if I knew I was a successful woman, I wasn't a low income individual who's a successful woman. That wasn't part of my identity. Mm -hmm. I was just the successful woman. So mm -hmm. I pursued that identity and I didn't adopt anything else. So I think practically speaking, there are a lot of workshops and a lot of um, meetings and stuff where these identities are ingrained into you. I tended to stay away from those things. I didn't really mm -hmm. go to a lot of workshops like that. Things like, how to survive as a minority in NC State or how to think. I mean, those are helpful, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to survive as a minority at NC State. I wanted to be a successful mm -hmm. NC State graduate. So I guess cater mm -hmm. yourself to what you know would help you grow and mm -hmm. help you identify who you are. Yeah, no, that's good. And that's the piece too, which we're going to talk in a, about in a little bit, is like your mindset and the philosophy in which you've lived. If you want to talk actually about the university canceling the graduation ceremony, because some of your like circumstances did like are determining how you feel about that mm -hmm. and how you, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like your response to the graduation ceremony being canceled is like, has been specific to your circumstances. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> so with my circumstances, I would say, of course, things weren't always 
easy for me. I was always working multiple part-time jobs. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I had to balance school. And I don't really have a lot of parental or family support. So Mm -hmm. it was a lot of things I had to balance on my plate and still stay as competitive and comparable to my fellow classmates who may or may not have had the same circumstances. So for me, graduation, the ceremony was very important to me because I thought it was when I walked across that stage, it was the time when I can finally just offload everything, all the stresses, all the all-nighters, all the stressing about the bills and this and the other. I thought it was just a time where I can just let it all go and kind of start my new life as this recent rich graduate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when the ceremony didn't happen, we got our diplomas through email. I'm pretty sure they mailed it to us too, but it just wasn't the same. And there was a lot of online graduations and online speakers, but it just wasn't the same because I felt like I never actually physically graduated. I feel like I'm, I just got a diploma, like a certificate. So I think that's why that was very important to me because when you face certain hardships and you finally overcome it, you just want to just celebrate that. And when that celebration mm-hmm. is taken away from you, it's like, did you even ever accomplish this in the first place? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's why I was pretty bummed about no graduation. <laughs> yeah, because you immigrated to the United States without your parents. So your parents mm-hmm. aren't in the United States, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's the pieces of even having, like, like other people can't even celebrate it mm-hmm. with you or parents, which is one of the dominant groups that people celebrate yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with that graduation, when did you start dreaming about that or imagining? (laughs) I would say I started dreaming about uh, college graduation Mm -hmm. ever since I was probably in like middle school or something. Mm -hmm. I had a cousin who also went to NC State and he graduated around that time, like 2015 or 20, maybe even earlier, 2012, something like that. Mm -hmm. So when I saw him graduate, it just kind of like sparked the fire in my brain. I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. that can be me. And however many years so I always Mm -hmm. knew that one of my long-term goals at the time when I was in middle school was to graduate college and I was going to wear this and NCCA has red robes or perhaps even if I wear a different color robe Mm -hmm. I'm going to wear this to accentuate this color and that Mm -hmm. so I always I've always been looking forward to graduation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So with your cousin's graduation here what like do you remember about that ceremony what impressed you the most as a middle schooler? So during graduations, mm-hmm. they mentioned all these like degrees. He was in the, the sciences. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think sciences people are so smart because I can't do chemistry or physics <laughs> in my life. So when they kept saying like BS in anatomy with the concentration in mm-hmm. human physiology and all this mm-hmm. like big words, mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, they're so smart. And then you mm-hmm. have like graduate students as well wearing like the black robes, doctor mm-hmm. students wearing like the, the weird hats and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. It was just like, you're just surrounded by a room of smart people. And I was just like, that's Mm -hmm. amazing because I could be one of those smart people. Yeah. And so with your outfits, what you were going to wear, what did you think about that? Like, (laughs) did you imagine that? Did you already have that planned out? (laughs) Like specifically? (laughs) When I decided I was going to go to NC State, I knew the Mm -hmm. graduation robe was red. Mm -hmm. And I always knew that I was going to do business. So when I graduated, I wanted to look like a business Mm -hmm. professional, like the the most successful business professional you've ever seen. Mm, so I yeah. knew I was going to wear a white um, suit, like mm-hmm. whether a suit dress or something, just something to look mm-hmm. very professional because white goes mm-hmm. with red. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, I wanted to graduate and look the part, like look, look, mm-hmm. look the part of what I always wanted to be. 
So you planned your outfit at 18 years old. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then did your kind of like how you imagine graduation, did that change throughout the years here than what you thought of Mm -hmm. as a middle schooler or 18? Or did you kind of like dream of the same themes or imagine kind of the same imagine? Yeah, I think it remained pretty consistent because I didn't like think about graduation every single day or anything. Mm -hmm, But like as I got closer to graduation, especially senior year, then it starts to hit you like, oh my gosh, I'm about to graduate. And Mm -hmm. then it's like next they're going to say my name is pretty long. So they're going to say my long name and then they're going to say my major and my concentration. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just pretty cool. So, (laughs) And then you were going to apply to be a graduation speaker also. So then that was even going to be like more of a special mm-hmm. like day. So what happened with that? So the graduation speaker, that was something that I always thought was quite a cool thing to do ever since my high school graduation when I saw the valedictorian and the salutatorian give their speech. So it's just something that was always on the back of my mind. Like I would perhaps want to do it. I don't know if I'm qualified, but I will try to do it. So around early March, I think right before spring break was when the applications came out. Mm-hmm. So I actually started doing, filling out the application and wanted to submit it. But then that was right about when school shut down. So that didn't happen, yeah. but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so what were you going to say in commencement, the commencement speech? So I was going to say something along the lines of the fact that if you set your mind to something, you can accomplish it. And even if your circumstances may not be ideal, because everyone has their own cup of coffee that they deal with when they're in college, Mm -hmm. despite Mm -hmm. all your circumstances, the fact that you're here graduating is a huge accomplishment. So Mm -hmm. henceforth, always set your mind to something and accomplish those goals and you can do it. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So you obviously, from the commencement, like you had something to share. Like there was something Mm -hmm. that you wanted, like that was important to you that other people knew. Now, even like thinking about that is what are the messages, even your ideas, beliefs, philosophies that Mm -hmm. you have that are, is really important for you to share? Like Um, you want to share that. So I think the, one of the biggest things that I would love to share to fellow classmates and things Mm -hmm. is to always plan ahead and not just plan ahead one step but plan ahead two steps because plan a may not work out and you need a plan b that's just Mm -hmm. as good as plan a and Mm -hmm. if you have that mindset then you can always you always have something to strive for you always have expectations Mm -hmm. that you put for yourself and Mm -hmm. as long as you're dreaming you can do what it takes to get there and then you plan again and keep striving for greatness so that's one thing that i would definitely like to say planning Mm -hmm. and also to say procrastination should kind of be gone after college. I've never liked procrastinating. <laughs> I have friends mm-hmm. who say they work better under pressure, which is true. I work good under pressure as well, but I just don't like that pressure because then you may not be as effective. Mm-hmm. So I would say perhaps now that college is over, now we have the freedom to literally do whatever we want with our lives. So let's mm-hmm. make the most of it. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And also to say, kind of like I mentioned before, to not let your circumstances, whatever it is, define Mm -hmm. your identity because you get to define your identity lucky for you we have the ability to do that yeah I think you had said before the statement was like you get to choose your story Mm -hmm. and there is a quote where it's uh gosh what I can it's about a a book 
like something basically that you don't have control over everything in your life, but you have control over like how your how the book ends. And I wish I could think of that quote off the top of my head. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> so yeah, explain that to us is like, what do you mean by choosing your own story? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think even with the recent turn of events with the coronavirus, it mm-hmm. kind of for me personally, kind of showed me how little control I actually have over a lot of things. I can't control a pandemic. I can't control the economy. I can't control the job market. But there's one mm-hmm. thing I can control, which is my my decision to not give up. I can control my decision to stay optimistic. I can mm-hmm. cho- I can control my decision to cope with certain things a certain way. And when mm-hmm. you make these decisions for yourself and you control your actions and your mindset, you control mm-hmm. the end of the story. Because if you choose to kind of supposedly fall into depression, which, no, that's not a good example. So you choose mm-hmm. to supposedly mm-hmm. um, give up as opposed to not giving up, then the end of your story is the story of someone who gave up. And that's not the story that you want for yourself. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I mean by controlling choosing your own story by controlling your actions and your mindset yeah because um a lot of times people will feel like they don't have control but that 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 doesn't that's not necessarily true Mm -hmm. so one of the quotes too is is that like feelings aren't facts Mm -hmm. so what are the things like especially as a student what are the things that you well, I guess it's, it's almost like you can't control. It's like, what should you try to control? Because mm-hmm. people will try to control people and that doesn't work. <laughs> um, so or, I would say one thing that you can control is your, to say this loosely, your personality mm-hmm. and your attitude. Mm-hmm. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is as a minority, I've often felt like I've gone into a room or a classroom or an interview and mm-hmm. automatically they may not like me because of whatever external biases that they may have, but mm-hmm. I can't control that. I can't control how they feel about me. So right. what I can do is be the best version of myself, be a positive mm-hmm. human being, be a easy to communicate person. And then if at the end of the day, the person ends up not liking me for whatever reason, then it's on mm-hmm. them and it has nothing to do with me. So I can only control myself and my actions. So I just always try mm-hmm. to be my best person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, so I found those quotes. Yeah, when we deny our story, it defines us. And then when we own the story, we can write a brave new ending. And so what makes me think is like when you own your story, meaning like you took control over your identity. Mm-hmm. Right? Definitely. Mm-hmm. And actually, too, it's what are some of the chapters, like when you write your own book, <laughs> like mm-hmm. a real book? which we need your book. (laughs) So what are some of the things that will be in that book? So like a lot of times people, you know, kind of like the defining moments in your life and even defining people. Um, Can you think of those? That's a hard question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, In a nutshell, I would definitely include my, like where I was born and the fact Mm -hmm. that I, traveled to three different places at such a very young mm-hmm. age I would define the point at which I got in like started college because for me that was such a big moment like I can't believe mm-hmm. I'm an adult now type thing 
Mm-hmm. And then I would also definitely mention, there's so many people that helped me throughout my journey in college, um, mentors, coaches, professors, friends, they, even my sister, they would definitely make a huge portion of my book because mm-hmm. even though I may not have had the traditional support, like the parental support or mm-hmm. um, monetary support and things, mm-hmm. I still had other support systems that mm-hmm. made me who I am. So definitely mm-hmm. the key people would definitely be a part of my book and mm-hmm. going forward in the future I can't say <laughs> I don't know what's going <laughs> to happen but <laughs> well because you also mentioned about how planning is important mm-hmm. to you so um we'll get to a couple of things in a second but can you yeah detail out like your planning like when your planning began mm-hmm. with college and how that how you planned all the way throughout college so I would say my planning really began probably like back in high school. I never really, I, I mentioned before, I never really liked to procrastinate and wait till the very last minute for anything because mm-hmm. I just don't really like being under pressure if I don't have to be. Mm-hmm. So I remember applying for colleges. I, for whether I really wanted to get in or not, I applied early action for every single college just because I always knew that if I don't meet the early action deadline, I'll have a fail-safe deadline, which is the actual deadline. And that right. eliminated so much stress because while my, all my other peers were still scrambling to write their essays because their essays mm-hmm. due in two days or 24 hours, I was done with mine months prior. So I mm-hmm. just saw how much that caused me not to stress excessively. So I just mm-hmm. carried that all throughout, high, uh, all throughout college. And my personality type is already very type A. I like to write lists and plan things and highlight things so it just helped add on to my personality to be able to plan everything so I don't Mm -hmm. have to procrastinate so I think that's my long-term goal as the or my ultimate goal as to why I don't I like to plan it's because I don't like to be under excessive pressure if I don't have to be Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you do have control over planning like you don't necessarily have control over like other things on your to-do list but you can write that to-do list. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. And so when you entered um, NC State, what were like the things you did to be successful? Because I know you came here and you, how many jobs did you get <laughs> right? um, in your first week on campus? Um, I started out Port City Java as a barista and then I became a student office assistant and then I did marketing events assistant. I did some catering. I did, I did a lot. I just <laughs> did a lot. <laughs> but um, I guess some of the things that I did to be successful was first, so when I first began summer start, I was just literally fresh out of high school. The mm-hmm. only job that was available during the summer was entirely as a um, barista at Port City Java. So I did that, but I realized I know how physically demanding jobs like that can be, like stand on my feet for hours on end. And to Mm -hmm. be expected to wake up the next day to go to class, that was just so demanding for me. So I decided for myself that I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand and work anymore. I'm going to find a job where I'm going to sit down and be in an office and put Mm -hmm. onto my resume. So once I made that decision for myself, the applications that I put in for positions kind of shifted. So now I was looking for office Mm -hmm. assistant jobs and marketing intern jobs. And so in terms of part-time jobs, that's how I was able to be successful by making that decision for myself to not be physically exhausted just from working. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I also started a campus organization, not necessarily because I was trying to make my resume look good, but because Mm -hmm. I saw that there was a need for a multicultural campus organization, a church Mm -hmm. on campus. 
mm-hmm. and there wasn't one and there were other people other peers who felt as if they needed to be something like that on campus it was just a matter of who was going to take the initiative to actually get going on this thing so mm-hmm. i just went ahead and spearheaded this project and started the organization and it's still very running and successful today two mm-hmm. new sets of leadership have already come through so that was a success story And also, in addition to that, NC State has the culture of interning and co-ops. So Mm -hmm. I knew that regardless of how many part-time positions I had or how busy I was or how much money I did or didn't have, I was going to stay true to the culture of interning and co-ops so I can still be a competitive student. So I applied for internships. I did co-ops and notable companies like Disney to make sure that I still stand out as a star student. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of my, <laughs> my yeah, yeah, yeah. So you started a student organization, the church organization, as a first-year student? Yes, first semester. <laughs> <laughs> first semester. So how did you do that? I mean, most, even a first-semester student wouldn't even know that you can start, mm-hmm. like, an organization. <laughs> and it's really hard. I mean, it's a very mm-hmm. difficult task yeah. to start an organization. Um, so tell us how. <laughs> how I did it was, so first I knew there was a need for it. So the, the, the mm-hmm. problem was there and the solution was to start one. So since mm-hmm. I know what the solution is, all I had to do was just execute the solution. So I just looked up on Google how to start a campus organization mm-hmm. on, at NC State. And it led me to different people that I had to meet with and speak mm-hmm. with, different tasks that I had to do. I had to draft out a constitution. I had to get it approved. Mm-hmm. I had to make sure certain positions were filled, like the treasurer, vice president, things like that. And I needed to make sure there was a certain number of students who were interested in being a part of the organization. Mm -hmm. So I walked around tallies um, with petitions, getting people to be interested, telling them about Mm it. And all in all, after I was able to accomplish these tasks, then was I able to get this campus organization going. I would say my drive and just Googling, (laughs) doing the research (laughs) is kind of what, what, um, enabled me to start this organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're working multiple jobs, first semester, taking classes, and starting an organization. So yep. <laughs> I'm assuming you don't sleep, <laughs> or like, how do you? You don't have fun. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how to explain this because I'm all my fr- a lot of my friends. I was on a dance team at that time as mm-hmm. well. So a lot of my friends who were on the dance team used to tell me that I have too much on my plate. Well, I think the kind of person, I'm a busy body anyways, and I like mm-hmm. having a lot on my plate. I don't like to be bored. I don't like to sit there idle. Mm-hmm. So having these things on my plate, I guess, is kind of what kept me grounded because I always felt mm-hmm. like I was doing something worthwhile and doing something important. And I was tired. I was very tired all the time, but mm-hmm. I was okay with it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's um, another quote that I'm going to have to look up in a second um, about it's like what you choose or like what you enjoy being difficult. So almost mm-hmm. everything is difficult. Like mm-hmm. people love to exercise. Well, there's pain, you know, <laughs> for exercising. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's like what difficulty you choose. And so obviously you ch- chose um, a lack of sleep, which <laughs> is not healthy. <laughs> so, <It's> not. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did that impact you though? I mean, it allowed you to do a lot of things that were important to you. So you were able to have a strong spiritual life here, which I'm sure benefited you like tremendously. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's like that compensation for that sleep, you know, mm -hmm. um, and then jobs for your professional development, dance mm -hmm. team for fun and expressing yourself and exercise. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you are very, very smart. <laughs> so you <laughs> obviously you. studied <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but was there any, like, would you do anything different about your first year? Or are you glad that, like, you're, you know, it was like, being really tired was mm -hmm. you know worth it or um, as part would, of it yes i would definitely not do anything different if anything mm -hmm. this is going to sound crazy but i mm -hmm. think i would have done more because i think i did a lot of things um leadership and extracurricular wise but mm -hmm. i didn't do a lot in terms of like going to career fairs and networking with professionals and things so and knowing how important that is later down my college career path I think I would have definitely started doing more of that as a freshman but that's the only thing I would change which is crazy to say I'd add on more but so now obviously you're saying only like you would have spent more time building relationships so when did you do that or like when you did know, figure that out mm -hmm. I figured that out um closer to junior like as I got closer to interning because mm -hmm. when you start, when you intern, you, they actually throw you out in the professional work field. And mm -hmm. you really do realize how workplace politics work. If you don't have a relationship with people higher up than you, you mm -hmm. it's not going to be as easy for you to move up vertically if you don't know someone in the, in the vertical higher position that you're trying to get to. So when mm -hmm. I soon figured that out is when I realized that okay, I need to start networking, like, now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, um, relationships are as important as your skills. Like, skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 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 That's a big deal. Um, so, yeah, so this is one of the quotes. Everything worthwhile in life is won through sermoning or surmounting the associated negative experience. Yeah, so that's the piece is everything world worthwhile is one through surmounting the associated negative experience. Mm -hmm. So that's you. I mean, <laughs> you know, that obviously is a mm -hmm. philosophy of yours. That I, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give other TRIO students, like, about that difficulty? So, like, when negative things happen and you have difficulties... Mm -hmm. A lot of students question whether they should be here, what their major should be, and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. So I think to students, I would say, not, not trying to sound insensitive, but in mm -hmm. one way or another, everyone struggles. And I think for perhaps maybe for minorities or underprivileged students, they may feel as if not everyone at NC State struggles as much as them. So it's like, is it even worth going through this because I don't even belong here? I don't how can I possibly do this? Mm -hmm. But even if someone's struggle is less than yours or seems less, you mm -hmm. just never know what the ins and outs of other people's lives are. So mm -hmm. you just focus on yourself. You just focus on what your struggles are and how to, mm -hmm. how to get past your struggles. And don't compare yourself to other people and do whatever it takes to overcome the struggle. And when, mm -hmm. when, when I say do whatever it takes, I mean really do whatever it takes. If it <laughs> yeah. means... I remember one time, or a lot of times, I used to work at Port City until like 11 mm -hmm. p.m. And mm -hmm. I would always have a change of clothes with me. So I would change in the basement of Tally, get on the mm -hmm. bus in the middle of the night and go to Hunt Library mm -hmm. and pull an all-nighter because I had to study or do something for the next day. And then I have classes at 8 a.m. like usual. 
So those are things that I did. Was it fun? I like all nighters, so maybe, but I mean, not not really. <laughs> it's no right. fun doing any of that. But if that's what I have to do to get here, mm-hmm. so my story wasn't easy, and no one else's story is easy. So you just kind of embrace your struggles, accept that it's there, whether you like it or not, and do mm-hmm. what you have to do to overcome those struggles. I would say that's the best advice I can give. <laughs> yeah. So what happens, like, with being such a planner? Like, not all plans are going to work out. Like, mm-hmm. you are going to fail. Yep. at something <laughs> so um this is life so how did you respond to f- failure um I respond to failure first I mope around I give myself maybe 24 hours or something to just feel sorry for myself and just do the regular human-like behavior of just mm-hmm. feeling like life sucks and everything sucks and right as after I'm done I tell myself that life is gonna go on and life is not mm-hmm. over so I have to I have to figure this out So after I give myself the time I need to be sorry for myself, then I Mm -hmm. get back up on my feet and try to figure out, okay, what's the next plan from here? A Mm -hmm. didn't work out and B didn't work out either. So now Mm -hmm. we're going to figure out what C and D is. Mm -hmm. And then I take it from there. So I just plan again. (laughs) Yeah. And that I think you mentioned earlier is that you always have two plans. Mm -hmm. So you're like, you're prepared or you know just even knowledgeable of that or accept that not everything is going to work out so you do need to pivot yeah and so this goes into other another kind of like mark manson quote um which one is so yeah like the avoidance of suffering is a form of suffering so you can't avoid it you know avoidance of struggle is a struggle yeah Um, and Oh, this is funny because I just want to say it because there's a swear word in it. I love to. (laughs) Pain is an inextricable thread in the fabric of life and to tear it out is not only impossible, but destructive. Mm -hmm. Um, Attempting to tear it out unravels everything else with it. To try to avoid pain is to give too many fucks about pain. (laughs) In contrast, if you're not able, if you're able to not give a fuck about the pain, you become unstoppable. Mm-hmm. so you didn't care about the <laughs> lack of sleep you know no nope. I mean I cared but I wasn't I didn't care too much it was mm-hmm. okay that was a sacrifice I was willing to make so yeah with that planning um like what does that look like for you like how do you plan like um mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because if you can explain like the process that you go through, mm-hmm. if you use apps, what you do every day, every week, all of that. Mm-hmm. So I actually love talking about this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go <laughs> I, ahead. I love Google Calendar and very conveniently, NC State ties everything in with Google Suites. So if you have Google Calendar, I actually, if I like final season, for example, I actually plan out the times that I'm going to eat, the times I'm going to take a nap, the times I'm going to sleep, the times, how many minutes I'm going to spend reading this page and this page. So for example, I had to read a chapter in the book, which is about 30 minutes. I allotted two hours, which is about five minutes per page, something like that. So I literally just plan down to the, the every last minute. So that way I know for myself that if I choose not to stick to my plan, then I'm going to end up being stressed later because now there's no time to do it so I can visually with google calendar see for myself how much time I have to do something so I have to do it because there's no other time to do it so that's how I plan google calendar is my favorite and then also 
planners. I love planners. And I took a psychology class where your brain actually releases endorphins and like um, happy chemicals in your brain if you check things off the list. So mm-hmm. that's why I like planners. So I'll read a chapter in a, uh, in a book and I'll actually check it off my planner. And I just feel so accomplished. Like, yes, now I can read another <laughs> chapter. And so planners and Google Calendar are how I do everything. Even mm-hmm. now, literally. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like how often, like, so the Google Calendar, you just check all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of like a constant thing. Yep. And what kind of like, what did you go through to like decide on the type of planning that worked for you? Because a lot of times people, um, one of the, biggest mistakes people um, make is like not allowing for enough time mm-hmm. for things. So. So the biggest, I chose to use Google Calendar because I realized how much I underestimate how much time I actually need. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I used to always be late getting anywhere because I would think it'll take me 15 minutes, but then I forget that there's traffic. So it takes me 20 minutes and now mm-hmm. I'm late. So when I realized that even with studying, I'll think, oh yeah, I'll just study for an hour, but it's going to take me three hours to read this chapter. I realized mm-hmm. that I can't keep underestimating how much time I need. So now I need to actually plan out everything. I can't just take a nap for six hours when I mm-hmm. have to study. So I'm going to mm-hmm. plan out how many hours I'm going to sleep. And so when I started planning, I did that so I wouldn't underestimate the time because it's human nature to mm-hmm. think we can get things done in such a short amount of time when we can. Mm-hmm. And that's what leads to procrastinating. So that's why I chose Google Calendar to eliminate mm-hmm. all forms of underestimating time and procrastinating. Mm-hmm. And so how do you avoid distractions or things that come up that you couldn't plan for? Mm-hmm. Like even conversations with friends, <laughs> you know, of like meeting people, being sidetracked off your, cal- off your calendar, your to-do list. I think that's where the planning helps because Definitely, I've gone to the library with my friends one night thinking I'm going to do something and we just stayed there the entire night talking and I get nothing done. But because I planned ahead for that, I always leave myself like a flex space, like room for room for in case I don't get something done. Mm-hmm. And because I planned ahead now, even if I didn't get it done, it's not procrastinating because I planned on not getting it done. Kind of right. thing. So <laughs> I always leave room for, for space, um, room for things like that. So mm-hmm. I think plan the distractions into your planning. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you don't get like sucked into YouTube where you keep hitting the, like the next video, the next video. Actually, when I'm pulling all nighters, I actually just delete my social media, delete the apps off my phone. Mm-hmm. And even right now, I'm job searching. Haven't been on Instagram in weeks. I just deleted the app completely. Mm-hmm. It's just self-control, I think. I want to know what's going on. But then again, I don't, I don't want to know because I have to focus mm-hmm. on myself right now. So what about Netflix? Mm, for the movie tv (laughs) if i don't plan on watching tv and i don't have time to watch tv then i just Mm -hmm. don't watch it if i have something else to do i just generally just do it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think i'm so used to structure that i've gotten used to avoiding distractions yeah Yeah, that's really really disciplined like yeah (laughs) i try to be (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I I wish I was as disciplined as you. <laughs> I try, I try my best. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, you do it. You do it. Um. Yeah. So that's the thing is like putting actually up of like those physical boundaries. So like mm-hmm. deleting those apps, like knowing what your tendencies are, 
Mm-hmm. Um, we had one student, she would always go to like the library and use the library laptops so that it wouldn't show, like her apps wouldn't be there, but also so she wouldn't log online, you know, in different things because if she had her own computer mm-hmm. like everything would open up messages everything yep that's a great mm-hmm. um, great skill mm-hmm. so you can delete your apps you can follow your to-do list whether you want to or not mm-hmm. <laughs> and coffee coffee <laughs> I like coffee and, yeah and caffeine mm-hmm. for sure yeah and then the other you mentioned before were the internships and co-ops Mm-hmm. So you had some pretty exciting experiences. So can you yeah. tell us about that? Yes. So um, I'll just start with the most exciting one, which was my mm-hmm. Disney internship. So ever since I was born, literally, my mom <laughs> was a huge Disney fan. I think Disney was built in Japan when she was a teenager. That's when it first introduced itself. So everyone okay. around her age group is very, mm-hmm. like, huge Disney fans. So I always grew up on Disney everything Disney, Disney outfits, Disney music, Disney mm-hmm. movies, everything Disney. So mm-hmm. growing up, I always knew I wanted to somehow carry that Disney for mm-hmm. the rest of my life. So then um, around middle school or something like that, I learned about the Disney college program. So I started doing research back then on what it takes to get in. I used to watch videos mm-hmm. on interview tips and things so I'd be prepared. And then mm-hmm. when I got to college, freshman year, they tell you to plan out your four years of college. So I did, and I planned out exactly when I was going to take the semester off to go and do this internship at Disney. And so mm-hmm. when the time came for me to, when it was finally time for me to actually do it, mm-hmm. I interviewed by luck, or I don't know, I successfully got in. Mm-hmm. I did the internship, and it was just the best experience ever. It really was. <laughs> <clears throat> so what was that process of like applying, being selected, um, and then getting the job? Because so I'm sure there's a lot of other students who would want to d- definitely do a Disney internship. So first, um, it's so the internship. It's an internship, yes, but it's very it's very Disney specific. So mm-hmm. you're you're literally working in the park. So you may be put into like a food service role where you're selling mm-hmm. popcorn. Mm-hmm. You may be put mm-hmm. into merchandise, which is me, where you're working in the stores. So if you're not a huge Disney fan and you have no intentions of I guess working for Disney, I don't even mm-hmm. know if I'd recommend it because then you'd feel like you're wasting your time kind of thing. Right. And so the process is knowing what you want to do, um, your passion for Disney, mm-hmm. knowing that it's there first. And mm-hmm. then you apply for the internship. If mm-hmm. you're selected, if your application is selected, you're taking mm-hmm. like a questionnaire type. It's almost like a, a test part that's part of the inter- interview process. Mm-hmm. Once you go through, you get a phone call from a recruiter about 20 to 30 minutes. And if you pass that, then you're offered the position. So it's about okay. a two-step interview. Good, good, good. And then what was your job? My job, I initially started out food service, but my skin mm-hmm. started reacting to everything. So I got moved into merchandise, which I think was mm-hmm. lucky because I'm a marketing mm-hmm. student. Right, so right, right. put into merchandise just correlated perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> so then how did you make that happen? Like oh, of, that was, uh, <laughs> of switching. Mm-hmm. So... I realized that my skin was reacting. So first, um, I know so no one wants to really do food service at Disney. That's one of the roles mm-hmm. that no one wants to do. So I was like, there's no way they're going to let me switch. So first I tried talking to my manager, but she was like, yeah, I don't think it's going to be possible. 
So then I reached out to people who did successfully, because some people have asthma attacks and things like that, so they have to switch. But I guess the skin allergy wasn't good enough. <laughs> so I Gosh. asked them what their process was, and they had to go see their doctor and get a note and see a Disney doctor. Mm-hmm. So Disney doctor has to sign off on the note, and hopefully you get placed into a role. So I did exactly that. I went to, <laughs> I went to an urgent care in Florida, and I got the note. Mm-hmm. I went to a Disney doctor, talked to certain people, talked to my managers connected here and there and it got to a point where I almost lost the internship because they're like there may not be a role for you but I was like there's no way I came all the way here just to go home so I just had my fingers crossed and Mm -hmm. kept talking to my managers and like that's why I said it's all luck luckily enough there was this role in merchandise that had nothing to do with food so it didn't irritate my skin at all Mm -hmm. and I got lucky Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was kind of the process yeah yeah. because how did you handle when like your managers and whatnot are saying no I mean, because that's really um, hard when your boss says no. says no, you can't do something. And then you're um, like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I think it's knowing that I wanted to be at Disney and I just, like my skin was reactive. There's no way I mm-hmm. can do this role. So I knew there had to be another way. There's always another mm-hmm. way. I think there's always mm-hmm. another way. So I just had to mm-hmm. figure out what it was. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so to do that, you just, you talked a lot to a lot of different people. Yep, and I watched about. YouTube videos on people who did the program who switched roles because it's really hard to switch a role at Disney. So I just did a lot of research and digging into what mm-hmm. other people did to be successful. Yeah, yeah, and how long did that take actually, that whole transition? Surprisingly, only two weeks. I heard of some oh, people okay. who took months, but I was actually making phone calls to like Disney global HR offices. <laughs> like, yeah. I was, doing, I was doing whatever I really needed to do to get the answers that I needed. And so mm-hmm. it worked out for me. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, so basically it's like, yeah, you're not going to take no for an answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and that's one of the things that we'll get to is like your life philosophy and how you live your life of being mm-hmm. like outcome oriented, mm-hmm. like that you're an outcome person. But first let's talk about more about Disney because this is exciting <laughs> of it. <laughs> So what's your connection to Disney to be so committed to it since middle school? Because a lot of people will say, I want to be a vet because I like dogs. Mm-hmm. And then they get to school and it's like, oh, no, <laughs> I outgrew it. So because Disney was my mom's thing, she just loved Disney. Mm-hmm. And we grew up with Disney ingrained in our brains. So mm-hmm. I, I, as in me, my sister, and my brother. So, and I was very close with my mom. She was like my, my parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really that close mm-hmm. to my dad. So I always knew from a very young age that I just wanted to carry a piece of Disney because Disney was my association mm-hmm. with my mom. So I just mm-hmm. always wanted to have that. That's my happy place. Mm-hmm. So I want to be in that. That's where I'm happy. I'm happy thinking about Disney. I'm happy being at Disney. So mm-hmm. why not do something in the future that I love doing and I'm happy doing? So mm-hmm. that's my connection with Disney. <laughs> <laughs> so what did your mom think when you got the internship? So my mom actually passed away 10 years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. Even, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Grace. Well, <laughs> no, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. No, it's still part of the story I still tell anyways. That's, that's mm-hmm. why I love Disney. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. And then what, like, how has Disney impacted you? Like, what do you like most about Disney? Um, so like, in addition model, to your mom? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Disney's motto is the happiest place on earth. So if, mm-hmm. if anyone's ever been to Disney, it's literally you get on a ferry boat just to get to like Disney World. And then mm-hmm. it's literally, literally feels like you're saying goodbye to earth and you're mm-hmm. in this happy place. 
And that was very, that's magical for me because I'm really in a happy place when I'm at Disney. So mm-hmm. now that I'm older and now that I'm picking a career, I want to be a part of the people who make the magic for other people because who mm-hmm. knows who else might have shared these same memories or what child might be impacted mm-hmm. by Disney. So I, mm-hmm. I want to be behind the magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what are your favorite movies? Favorite Disney movies? movies? <laughs> So Stitch, Lilo and Stitch, Stitch is my favorite because he was always a troublemaker. As a child, I've always been the troublemaker in my family, supposedly. So I always felt like I could relate to Stitch. And then mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, I love Belle because Belle is like the little, uh, in a little town, quiet village. But here's Belle. She's so different, but mm-hmm. yet she's so cool. Beauty and mm-hmm. she's smart. Beauty and brains. That's what I love too. Mm-hmm. So Belle, definitely. And then Moana because Moana is fierce and she's Polynesian mm-hmm. and she's darkest skin tone so if anything I look like mm-hmm. I, I look like <laughs> right 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 Moana Stitch and Belle definitely my mm-hmm. favorite <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and how did they like those stories impact your life and like how you like were there philosophies or things about the characters that you applied in life like more yes. than just entertainment mm-hmm. so I would uh, Moana for example if you watch the movie you notice that there's no like prince that saves her or Mm -hmm. there's no rich king or queen who Mm -hmm. puts her to sleep or anything like that so Mm -hmm. she's like the main character who solves the problem and I always felt like that's amazing like who if I had that when I was a kid I would I would have felt Mm -hmm. as invincible as Moana is Mm -hmm. so I think that's why I really like her now because it shows that I don't need a prince charming to come and save me because I do the saving kind of thing. Right, 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 right. right, right, That's why I like Moana. Mm -hmm. And like with Stitch, so it's like, oh, if he acts this way, it means I can? No, Stitch was always... (laughs) Go ahead. He was was a troublemaker, yes, but Mm -hmm. that's that's an identity that was given to him by the people around him. He Mm -hmm. was, like, he never felt like he was a troublemaker. He just felt very Mm -hmm. misunderstood. And I think that's Mm -hmm. how I felt as a child because... For example, if I break something when I'm a child, it's not because I'm trying to cause trouble. It's because I felt like this thing needed to be broken or I had my reasons for doing whatever I did. So mm-hmm. I just felt like people never understood me as a child. Like, why is Grace talking so much? Why is Grace doing this? Why is Grace doing that? Right. So if you would just listen to why I'm doing it, then you would understand. So I mm-hmm. think I related to him on the fact that oftentimes, I, even now, sometimes I just feel misunderstood. Like, people don't understand why I do the things I do. Mm-hmm. and but whatever I still have my reasons <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's why I relate to Stitch <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. and you didn't think like oh that's just a character in a tv show because that's like where um, sometimes it's just you know I think no because mm-hmm. because of my passion for Disney I felt like mm-hmm. they're real I go to Disney mm-hmm. World and I know it's costumes and it's people yeah 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 but to me mm-hmm. that's really Stitch and that's really a princess <laughs> right <So. laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're like they're based on like real human experiences. Yeah, they're in itself real. That's what I like to believe. <laughs> it's, okay. it's just a real existing thing that exists. <laughs> okay. So what did you do when you first went to Disney and saw the, um, like the people dressed up like Snow White and mm-hmm. all the other characters walking around? So, <laughs> I'm so childlike but in my mind they're Mm -hmm. not like people dressed up like that's really Cinderella Mm -hmm. that's really Mm -hmm. Stitch so I just get excited like I can't believe Mm -hmm. I'm seeing Stitch Stitch was on the tv how did he make it here so Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. I I took so many pictures I made a scrapbook I made photo albums just to remember everything 
Mm-hmm. Like, kind of, I, I just felt like I was in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, good for you. And um, being in a movie is good sometimes, for sure. <laughs> now, how would you compare yourself with your, like, enthusiasm with Disney compared to, like, the other people you worked with at Disney? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, so the job in itself, any job can get hard. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think I wanted to be there so much that I was willing to, like, it was hard, but yeah, that was part of it kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I had the mindset that I was supposed to be there. Like, mm-hmm. just how it's, uh, to me, it still blows my mind that I actually worked at Disney because of how mm-hmm. much I've always, like, kind of put Disney on such a high pedestal. So mm-hmm. my mindset was always that I'm privileged and I'm blessed to be here. So mm-hmm. I was just, mm-hmm. work is hard, but yeah, I'll go to the parks after work. So And, um, yeah, and do you think like your passion and your connection to Disney helped you professionally? Yes. Like, did that show, like, did they value that there? Mm -hmm. I mean, I would assume so, but. Yeah, definitely. Because for example, I worked in merchandise. So the store, I worked in um, Disney's, I think, third biggest store worldwide. Mm -hmm. So it's imperative that everything looks very neat and very Disney, like have the Disney look. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. because I was passionate about Disney, even when no one asked me to, you would see me like folding up t-shirts and putting yeah. the plush animals and making it look perfect because I wanted Disney to look like that. Whereas if someone didn't really care about Disney, why would they do that extra work? Mm-hmm, not getting- mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. I think my passion definitely, because I wanted Disney to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good, good. And then what do you want your future to be with Disney? I want to definitely be in corporate Disney. I want to be mm-hmm, behind mm-hmm. the magic. I want to help mm-hmm. make, come up with the storylines, the marketing tactics, mm-hmm. um, just to make sure there's um, everyone feels, Moana was the first step, but now we can do more. So just to make sure now everyone mm-hmm. has that same, mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. opportunity to build that connection mm-hmm. with Disney as I had. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. What are some storylines that you are thinking about? Because I'm sure you've imagined (laughs) movies. (laughs) So I would definitely say characters with more racial representation. And Mm -hmm. with that, like, for example, there's Mulan. She's Asian, but she's Mm -hmm. also, I think Mulan's Chinese. But Mm -hmm. then maybe perhaps, um, for example, an Indian. Indians are Asians, but Mm -hmm. they may not relate exactly to Mulan because at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. they're not from the same country. So Mm -hmm. we can do more to diversify the diversity efforts even within specific racial groups Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I would try to do and what kind of like the character personalities do you want to do or do you want to create to impact kids just the way they impacted you so Mm. it was like it was important to you that they have a storyline of stitch Mm. of (laughs) you know here's a troublemaker are there certain characteristics or storylines that you want mm-hmm. that you think need to be told? I think Disney's doing an amazing job, a fantastic mm-hmm. job right now of trying to encompass everything. So I would mm-hmm. only just add on to the efforts that are being there now. For example, mm-hmm. maybe we need a princess who goes to college or I don't know, something mm-hmm. something very bizarre. Maybe we need mm-hmm. Moana. That's why I really like Moana. There wasn't a prince figure. So maybe we need more of that. Or maybe we need a mm-hmm. prince figure who doesn't need to go and save a princess. A prince who just focuses on accomplishing what he needs to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's something I would 
definitely yeah. add on to what Disney has going on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because it's like providing, because everybody is so different. Like all kids mm-hmm. around the world are so different. So it's like creating something where more, you know, kids can connect with just like you mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like most, you would think you do something for kids. It's like no parents aren't going to want a movie about a troublemaker (laughs) where they're like the hero you know Mm -hmm. so then their kids will be like (laughs) you can say oh I can break stuff (laughs) yeah I just feel like you just don't understand (laughs) okay and then what was your other internship or co-op so I've done a couple I worked Mm -hmm. at a chemical company as a content curation and syndication intern that was um, digital marketing that's mm-hmm. when I'm I concentrated in marketing but that internship was at when I realized that I want to go more into data analytics and numbers mm-hmm. and thinking mm-hmm. critical thinking so mm-hmm. that was one experience and I also mm-hmm. did market research and communication intern last semester and with mm-hmm. that I had a lot of autonomy the team was very small about two to ten people it was a startup environment so I mm-hmm. kind of learned that I'm more effective in a smaller environment because I have more autonomy to grow and be take initiative and be mm-hmm. autonomous over my work for some experiences that I've had and also as a part-time job just during college I worked as a marketing events intern so with that I helped set up events and plan events in Tally and Fountain Dining Hall and Clark so that's those are some experiences that I did throughout college. Mm-hmm. Yeah so you have the opportunity students have the opportunity to do jobs as a student Mm -hmm. like that they would get after they graduate like there's career jobs um, available to students yeah and I think it's also it's dependent on communication as well because when I got my internship um, the market research one that I just mentioned Mm -hmm. it wasn't at first a market research and communications intern it was just a market Mm -hmm. marketing intern but Mm -hmm. when I was interviewing and they always ask you do you have any questions and I said yeah do you I said, do you mind if we model this part-time um, student job? It was a work-study job, too. Mm-hmm. Do we mind if we model this as an internship? And can I focus on these areas of growth? Because this is where I want to go in terms mm-hmm. of career. And she mm-hmm. said, yes. <laughs> so just yeah. being willing, knowing what you want and communicating that to make it happen. Because mm-hmm. people are here on college campuses. Everyone's here to help you. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, just because it's on a website or written down doesn't make it true. Or, not in a sense you can mm-hmm. modify it or you can ask at mm-hmm. least the least you can do is ask good for you um <laughs> and then with your other internship one of the ones that you had you did the a similar thing mm-hmm. with demanding a more <laughs> <laughs> like professionally related mm-hmm. um position or yes so basically we're coming to the point of that you change every job you have <laughs> Um, but go ahead no you should you made it your own so yeah Yeah. if you want to talk about that experience okay so this was during my content curation and syndication intern um Mm -hmm. I was assigned from what I felt like was assigned a lot of work that I couldn't really see what the deliverables are I didn't Mm -hmm. really understand the big picture it almost just seemed like I was given tasks to complete and not really given a project to take over Mm-hmm. So I just kept asking for more. I kept asking for more projects. I kept asking for mm-hmm. more work, but the answer was always no, no, no. You, you're doing this. You have this on your plate. So it got to mm-hmm. a point where I'm just like, I don't understand. Because what I'm asking for mm-hmm. wasn't 
unreasonable. I was just asking right. for something viable to do. So how I went about that was, since I had nothing to do, I made an entire <laughs> presentation of everything that I had done since I started the internship, which I took note of. Every single day, I would write down what I did. So I made a presentation of everything that I did with pictures, with the outcomes, with basically, so you can say that, so I could say that I did this and here were the outcomes. I went into my manager's calendar and I scheduled a meeting in there. And I told her that, hey, I scheduled a meeting with you to discuss what I've accomplished so far, just so we can benchmark mm -hmm. my progress. Mm -hmm. So then I went into the meeting with her and I basically just presented to her what I've done and mm -hmm. said, so here's everything that I've done and here's why I want more and why I want to have ownership of certain things because I want to mm -hmm. add on to these things. And mm -hmm. from there, she said yes. <laughs> and from there, she gave me more projects and she also connected me to other people in the company. So then mm -hmm. I was connected with product managers. I was connected with the sales team. I was connected with mm -hmm. supply chain team. So if digital marketing was not sufficient for me, then I could mm -hmm. go and get assignments from other departments. So that just mm -hmm. all helped with my growth in that internship. So kind of what I did <laughs> yeah, yeah well and that's the thing I would like, like like defying your supervisor you know or like not <laughs> accepting like what they say they it's like no you can't <laughs> no you can't I'm not going to accept you telling me no that's scary to a lot of people <laughs> it's because I, I know what I'm capable of and I know I was being mm -hmm. undermined so I just had to let them see what I was capable of doing and I think mm -hmm. that's all it took. It was communication, but in a very creative, thinking outside the box manner. Because clearly just telling them I want more wasn't enough. So mm -hmm. what it took was a presentation. So I was going to do the presentation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, for some people, it's like they're told no once, and it stops there. But you pivoted. <laughs> you said, okay, <laughs> let, me, let me ask in a different way. So did she have any negative response no, to you? Like when you... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. See, actually, it's usually, like, I guess maybe it just comes down to miscommunication sometimes. Mm -hmm. She really thought I'm just an intern, so she doesn't want to over, overload my plate. But I was right. the exact opposite that, yes, mm -hmm. I'm just an intern, but I'm still capable. I don't want you to undermine me. Mm -hmm. So when she saw that I was willing to take initiative to just even tell her all of this, that's when she mm -hmm. realized that, okay, then she is capable of handling more. So... Mm -hmm. I think she didn't feel negatively at all. Right, 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 right. And so that's the piece of like not assuming that she's mm -hmm. saying no because she doesn't like your work or doesn't want you to mm -hmm. do other things. Just being so willing now, to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, what's common too is people will like complain and be miserable mm -hmm. and not... <laughs> and you know, like not take action to change their situation. I don't know if you've known anybody like that before. Oh, <laughs> Even so, during this internship experience, I talked to friends and I talked to my sister about they're mm -hmm. not giving me anything to do. I, I don't even know why I'm here. And I did the whole complaining thing. And mm -hmm. usually, sometimes, a lot of the times what people tell you is, if you're, if you're getting paid, then why does it matter? Or you only have three weeks left, so why does it matter? But mm -hmm. then that's when you have to decide for yourself what kind of advice you're going to choose to listen to. And mm -hmm. yeah, I was getting paid, but getting, what am I going to write on my resume? I got paid. So I mm -hmm. knew I had to make my resume stand out after this internship. So I didn't, I just didn't listen to that advice. But yeah, you're getting paid. You only have three weeks left, whatever. Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, okay, but I'm still going to, three weeks is a long time to get a lot done and I'm going to get a lot done. So I just, mm -hmm. 
I picked and choose what advice I wanted to listen to. And sometimes there's no advice you can listen to just yourself. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because the piece that you bring up is like being che- uh, cheated out of professional development opportunities, which mm-hmm. for that whole thing, the statements of, well, you're getting paid. Um, it was like, well, with not getting that professional, those professional development opportunities, that's going to impact how much you're paid in the future. Mm-hmm. Like in your career. opportunities you can obtain after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So being, not having those professional opportunity, you know, development options. No, you may lose money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're my hero. Great. You are a tough, tough person. Yeah. And so that's where it comes up. What we talked about before too, is um, being like outcome driven. Mm -hmm. So do you want to like, what does that mean to you? Because that's the terminology you used, Mm -hmm. how you described yourself is that you're outcome driven. So for me, I always know the ultimate goal that I'm trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know, Mm -hmm. but like I have an idea of what it is I'm trying to accomplish. So with mm-hmm. campus, when I was starting campus organization, I knew I wanted to start it and get it going. When I went to mm-hmm. my internship, I knew I wanted three to four bullet points, like amazing bullet points under my resume. So if mm-hmm. I'm only at two and I have three weeks left and I need to get three more so I know what the outcome is. So mm-hmm. I, I actually have to do whatever, whatever planning, whatever presentation, whatever communication, whatever networking I have to mm-hmm. do to achieve mm-hmm. those outcomes. So that's mm-hmm. why I would say I'm outcome driven because I don't just... Um, I know some there's some people do believe in this philosophy of taking it day to day and just enjoying the ride which I enjoy mm-hmm. the ride fine <laughs> mm-hmm, but um, mm-hmm. also the ride is determined by my outcome kind of mm-hmm. so that's how yeah. I kind of navigate life yeah it's like um of one to have high expectations and mm-hmm. also to like know where you're going yeah I don't necessarily mm-hmm. I've heard this before I don't go with the flow that's not me it's fine mm-hmm. some people are like that and that works for them and that's great but I can't, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you relax? <laughs> um, how do I relax? I don't know. So I read a lot. And like I said, I do, photo- I don't know if I said this. I do photography a lot. So that's fun. I read a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I read a lot of fiction books, but I also read a lot of like articles on like market Eesh. trends and stuff. That's mm-hmm. interesting to me mm-hmm. and the economy mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So reading keeps me sane. TV mm-hmm. doesn't really work for me because when I'm watching TV, I start thinking about other things. So mm-hmm. TV, that's why I don't really mm-hmm. get distracted by TV. So I think mm-hmm. that's how I relax. And mm-hmm. ultimately, if I have nothing to do, I sleep. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. And dance. Yeah, so. and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and one of the major parts of your college career was coming to campus without any money. Mm-hmm. So you came to campus with ten dollars, and <laughs> you're like, like now you have a car, you yes. moved off <laughs> campus. So how did you do that? So freshman year, I kind of knew I needed to get a car if I need to go to internships because I need to drive to those internships. Mm-hmm. So I, with budgeting and with planning, I soon figured out that meal, practically this is what I did. I figured out that meal plans are pretty expensive. So I just canceled meal plans altogether and I had two part-time jobs at the time. So with canceling a meal plan, I was able to save that bulk amount of money, like thousands of dollars literally, and just stash mm-hmm. it away and not use it. And my everyday expenses for food and 
um, clothing and things like that. All that was generated with my part-time job. So that's kind mm-hmm. of what kept me motivated to work hard part-time because I knew I needed the money. So then by stashing away thousands of dollars each semester, it got to a point where I was able to buy a car. So that's kind of how I bought a car. And in terms of campus resources, like with health insurance and food and things like that, there were a lot of resources available. That's even how I met you. The school, if you fall, I think if you're packed promise or if you fall below a certain income level or something mm-hmm. like that, the school mm-hmm. does have options where they give you grants or loans to pay for your health insurance. Mm-hmm. So when I found that out, I enrolled, I signed up. And so my health insurance was covered. And towards the end of the semester, there's like a meal plan share program where mm-hmm. they literally just load your student ID mm-hmm. with meal plan credits, I guess, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. for just if you ask, I guess. So I mm-hmm. did that as well. So that helped. And I've personally never been, but I know there's like food pantries and stuff that are also available to students. Mm-hmm. So I just utilized the resources that were available and and resources can not not just physical resources but just people as well talking to people and receiving help and that's kind of how I was able to I guess reach these goals <laughs> yeah because how did you eat without a meal plan I mean even like with time shopping or mm-hmm. how do you cook when you're living in a dorm mm-hmm. etc so like did you ever skip meals Go um, so generally, <laughs> generally mm-hmm. I don't eat a lot. So like, for mm-hmm. example, I eat like maybe once or twice a day. So even when I'm hungry, like, I don't know, maybe that's one of the sacrifices. Like I'm kind of okay with being not hungry, like starving, but like mm-hmm. it's something like skipping a meal because I have to study or something like that's fine with me. I'll just snack here and there. So mm-hmm. the, the meal, the food portion wasn't too much of a sacrifice for me. I would say if anything, my biggest sacrifice or what was really um, daunting was working a lot because then I really mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of time but I think yeah I think meals like skipping meals was never really a big problem or issue for me and mm-hmm. um, I just cooked a lot I made the sacrifice for myself not to eat out a lot I still don't eat mm-hmm. out a lot because I know it's, mm-hmm. it's expensive so mm-hmm. I make it a point to cook every month I have a budget for groceries mm-hmm. and I stay to the budget and I just kind of discipline myself into those things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what was the impact of not going out? Because that's with college students. Mm -hmm. A lot of that eating out is very social and like building relationships. Mm -hmm. I think to begin with, I never really had a lot of time anyways. (laughs) So that wasn't really like a big thing for me. But Mm -hmm. when I did budget, I always budgeted for maybe going out three times a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. So even when Mm -hmm. I did go out, that was still part of my budgeting and if mm-hmm. I went over this month then I'll try to compensate it for compensate for it next month or I'll just pick up extra shifts or something like that so I just I always had a budget that I stayed with mm-hmm. so I wouldn't be broke <laughs> right, right, right 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 I tried right. my best <laughs> yeah 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 no definitely and then what was the impact of working so many hours du- during school <laughs> how many hours did you yeah how many hours did you like 10 to work per week like during the school year it ranged because a Mm -hmm. lot of what I did was during the weekends like Saturday and Sunday I would work like eight hour shifts both Mm -hmm. so it would range anywhere between like 20 to like 30 ish it just depended completely Mm -hmm. on the week that's a lot of hours 20 to 30 (laughs) hours because research has shown that after 10 hours of working that's when Mm -hmm. it will negatively impact your academic performance Because what did you miss out on? Like, if you had the option of not working, 
what would you have done? So I've never been to a football game ever before because mm-hmm. my catering job, I catered at every football game in the glass towers. Mm-hmm. So if I wasn't working like that, I think that would have been fun to actually go to like a tailgate or a football game. I've never had that experience. So maybe one of these days I will. But mm-hmm. things like that or Saturday nights, if my friends were going out, I used to be a CA. So I would work every Saturday night. So and I didn't mm-hmm. get off till midnight. So I would just say, no, I can't go. I'm not going <laughs> things like that (laughs) so on football game saturdays then you're working from 8 a.m to noon i mean Um, midnight yes it was like the football game sucked it was like 8 a.m to like 5 p.m or sometimes 7 a.m because donors and stuff come in very early Mm -hmm. to eat so you would have to set up from like 7 a.m to like 5 p.m or something like that so Mm -hmm. those those suck (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah and then you're working till midnight Oh, those were, these were two different semesters. So the CA oh, okay. one was just, yeah. It okay. got to a point where I didn't want to, like, stand. I think I said this before, I didn't want to stand and mm-hmm. work anymore because it was just physically demanding. So I just shifted mm-hmm. to jobs where I was actually sitting down. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, that's a lot. That's a lot. And so that's the piece of even getting to the football game. That means you're getting up at 6 a.m., 5 a.m., something like that. <laughs> and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because the other thing that you had said, too, is that a lot of students you know of who are low income or don't have family support, this whole thing of like, there's no way you can buy a car. Mm -hmm. And so what's your advice, too, for students who don't have a lot of family support, you know, or -hmm. support coming from the outside, either financial or advice, and, and to be able to do these things? Mm-hmm. So how does an 18-year-old, you know, what's your advice, like, for 18-year-olds to figure out how to buy a car? Okay, so one, um, I think the first part is there is a way to buy a car. It's very possible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we're talking practically, I mean, I guess someone could mimic exactly what I did and just cancel mm-hmm. a meal plan and get two part-time jobs or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's possible. So if you do, if you save, let's say, two to $3,000 every semester, I only had to save up five thousand dollars because I ended up buying mm-hmm. a car up front for five thousand, which actually ended up breaking down. So down the line, I had to get another car. So I mm-hmm. think now knowing this, what I would do differently and what I would suggest for anyone mm-hmm. else is, freshman year, um, you can get a credit card like a Discover card or something, not so you can run it up, but just so you can mm-hmm. start building your credit. Because mm-hmm. once you have your credit built up and you have about five thousand ish dollars set up, mm-hmm. you can actually finance a car through your bank if you have good credit. Your mm-hmm. car. I mean, your bank will finance, give you an auto loan. Mm-hmm. So if you do that, then you can get a good car, like a 2018, 19, 2020 mm-hmm. car, whatever, that mm-hmm. won't give you any problems. The engine won't break down. You don't have a lot of repairs. And you mm-hmm. can finance it. So you're only paying like 200 a month or 180 a month mm-hmm. or something like that. And if you already have about 5000 saved up, then you actually don't have to worry about month-to-month car payments because you have enough saved up for at least the next three or four years. So right. that's what I would suggest. That's what I do mm-hmm. now. But I wish mm-hmm. I'd known that earlier so I wouldn't have bought a car that ended up breaking down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because it's like breaking down is really expensive. <laughs> yeah, and thousands of my internship saved money went into car repairs and the car just ended up failing anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I had done what I'm saying now earlier. Mm-hmm. That's what I would suggest. Mm-hmm. So you didn't need a co-signer on an auto loan? No. Um, so what I, freshman year, I signed up for the Discover credit card. Mm-hmm. So I've, mm-hmm. I've been building credit ever since freshman year because I've always been working a lot of part-time jobs. I think that kind of helped with mm-hmm. um, 
paying off credit card bills and using it for little purchases. Mm-hmm. So when it came for a time, it was just last, last year was when I bought my new car, when my mm-hmm. old one broke down. When it came time for me to sign a loan, I actually had really great credit. So I was able to get a really good APR rate with mm-hmm. my own credit. And I had enough money saved up for a down payment. And I had enough saved up for the next payments for the next two or three years. So mm-hmm. it actually ended up working out. So that's why I'd say building credit is important. Good for you. That's a big deal. And then the other piece too is there's a lot of loans for like first time car buyers and mm-hmm. for college grads. So there's also yeah. like, yeah, very specific loans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for that. So good. Definitely. And where did you learn how to build your credit? And even like learn how to manage a credit card, like so that you didn't go into debt. So there were times when I, I know there's definitely times when I maxed out my credit card. <laughs> but then every semester when I get a refund, I just pay it off completely. So I'd have a blank slate. And okay. I just, I don't know how, because they never teach you these things. But mm-hmm. it's just something that you know inadvertently that you need to have good credit or you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to buy a house. You're not going to be able to buy a car. These aren't mm-hmm. things you think of freshman year. These were things mm-hmm. that I was thinking about freshman year because I wanted to buy a car. So knowing right. this, I knew it was imperative to build credit, which is why mm-hmm. I, I did. I tried my best to build the best credit that I could. It mm-hmm. wasn't always good, but <laughs> I tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no good. Um, yeah, and also we want to definitely talk about because we hadn't discussed like you had mentioned how we met, and so two times were kind of similar. So the first semester, you walked right in and said, <laughs> "I don't know what to do about health insurance," and so we figured that out for you. And I'm glad you knew to come here <laughs> to do that. And then the second time was two summers ago, mm-hmm. so summer 2018. Again, you walked in, no uh, appointment, <laughs> and you sat down and you were like, I'm homeless. <laughs> yep. So can you tell me about, one, how did you know to come in and see me? And also, how did you even know you were homeless? Because that's a big mm-hmm. thing where students don't even know that they're, they just think mm-hmm. they're making do. So I was I met the the federal definition of homeless when I was in college, but mm-hmm. I just thought like, no, you, you know, hop around from house to house mm-hmm. to house when friend of a friend, you know, it's just like what you do. So what's the, mm-hmm. I didn't label it. Yeah. So it was summer. So I've lived on campus. So what happens between summer, the end of summer and the beginning of fall semester is just like mm-hmm. a two-ish, three-ish week break where there's no student on campus housing. And if you're like me and you don't really have a reliable place to go back home to or mm-hmm. you need to stay around campus because you have campus jobs, which is my circumstance, then mm-hmm. what do you actually do? And because it was summertime, I had no friends here that were like, oh, you can stay over because there was no one here. So mm-hmm. then I met you through leadership when you had a discussion on the on homelessness. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, now I'm actually at a loss here. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. So let me just go and seek help. The worst that could happen is mm-hmm. you say, no, there's no option. And then I'll figure it out from there, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I came in and I found out about the, like the emergency student loan and being able mm-hmm. to apply that towards like temporary summer housing and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think that's how, that's why I knew to come into you. And that's kind mm-hmm. of how the problem was solved. Yeah. Cause I remember what I was saying when I spoke at leadership and leadership is like one of the best experiences I think you can have at NC mm-hmm. State. So even when I 
worked as a staff member for leadership, like that's one of the best experiences I've had. I highly recommend it. So I remember talking and we're, so at NC State, with our research being done, 10% of students experience homelessness during a year. And so there was about 70 students at leadership. And so I was saying, you know, of you all in this program, there's seven of you that didn't know where you were going to stay before this, like with the dorms mm -hmm. closing. And there's, you know, seven of you or a handful of you who don't know where you're going to go when you get off the bus mm -hmm. on campus with leadership. And that's the question you need to start asking your peers is, do you have a place to stay? Do you have a, like, that is a question that, again, you could help out, like, 10% of your, like, peers here at NC State, and that's a huge number. Definitely. So, and that was your exact experience, correct? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when leadership was over and they dropped you off on campus with the bus, you, you had shared the story that you were trying to stay with a person within the dorms. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you can explain like what your homelessness looked like, what the situation was. So I came back from like leadership and the rest mm -hmm. of the summer was still there. So I still, I was taking summer classes. So I had summer housing, but then when summer semester was over, that was when it's like, I had nowhere to go. So what I thought mm -hmm. I should, like I was literally at a loss. So I had all my mm -hmm. stuff in like a couple of suitcases and I was like, okay, then I'm just going to sleep in the, in the lounge. It was Wolf, um, Wolf Ridge. I'm mm -hmm. just going to sleep in the lounge. So I did that for like two nights. And then the gym is always there. So I could always go to the gym and shower and stuff. But then soon, like even after two days, you just realize how un, like, unreasonable that is. That's not mm -hmm. doable. That's not doable for two or three weeks. So that's when I was like, oh, and then on top of that, I was working. So I would just leave my stuff in the lounge and put a blanket over it and hope that no one throws it away. So it just got to the point where I was mm -hmm. like, this is not going to work. And it doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense. And at the time, I hadn't bought my car yet. So I couldn't just drive to a person that lives like 30 minutes away or whatever. Right. So I was literally just stuck. So that's why I just came to you and I'm like, I have, I, what do I do next? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember, I think you had said that you woke up um, one day and there was a family in the mm -hmm. lounge. Yep. <laughs> it's very doable <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and so that's the piece is like how dangerous that is mm. very very dangerous yeah. because you don't have a, a door mm -hmm. you don't have any like safety um yeah and then it yeah so it's not safe it's not healthy it's not necessary <laughs> you know it's like yeah. ridiculous <laughs> yeah so what did we do then so you came in and we're like can't do this. <laughs> and I probably said, holy fuck, no, you can't. <laughs> so what did we do? <laughs> so you referred me to Mike. I also met him at Leadership. Mm -hmm. He's like the mm -hmm. student ombuds person. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of like ran me through all my options. And I found, I learned about the emergency student grant or something. I think mm -hmm. it's about $500 or something like that. So mm -hmm. I was able to get that. And with that, I was able to apply it towards ES King has like summer housing options for people who intern around this area. So I was mm -hmm. able to apply that fund straight to the student housing, the summer temporary housing option. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how we solved that problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that's the piece of like knowing your resources. And, you know, for mm -hmm. students, it's like knowing to ask because there's always a way. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then also like with the university, say like meal share program, the student emergency mm-hmm. fund, like it's out there for you. Yeah. Like it was established for your situation. Mm-hmm. And I think also just recognizing that NC State is a huge institution with a lot of money. So mm-hmm. there's always like there's always help if we just look, if we just mm-hmm. ask. And I think that's hard too. Like sometimes it can be quote unquote, amb- not for me, but I know it can be like embarrassing to say something like, oh, I don't have anywhere to stay. Cause it's like, oh, you don't mm-hmm. have anywhere to stay. That's embarrassing. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, are you going to hold yourself back because of embarrassment or are you going to actually seek help? And there's power in being able to speak out and speak, um, seek help for yourself and acknowledging mm-hmm. that you can't solve everything by yourself. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a uh, huge issue is asking for help and also, like when you didn't have, like when housing was, um, you didn't have housing, Mm -hmm. um, like why didn't you tell somebody then? Like, was there anything of, of like you were afraid you're going to be like judged or like um, no student ever experiences this. So if I ask for help there, there's not going to be any or. And I think it's more so like when hard times happen, you kind of go into survival mode. So mm-hmm. you think you can do whatever it takes to just survive and get through it. So I think that was mm-hmm. my mentality. Like, it's fine. I'll just sleep here for two weeks. It's mm-hmm. okay. I'll, like, I just thought I'll be good. I can just survive. But mm-hmm. then when I figured out that I couldn't, that's when I was like, yeah, I need help. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, too, is that we're asking for help is so hard or knowing, like, there is help available. Like, why are we putting that on the responsibility of students? So if the university knows that 10% of students will experience homelessness in a year, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, are they asking where mm-hmm. students are going? Like, do you need a place to go? Because what do you think the university should do with student homelessness and hunger? Like, based on your experiences mm-hmm. and, like, experiences of other people you knew, you know, like your friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I think... Feasibly speaking, the easiest thing that the university could do is there's like a lot of dorms on campus. So just at least keeping one open, it Mm -hmm. doesn't, we don't need to have room service. We don't need to have, even downing halls don't even have to be open, but just keeping Mm -hmm. one dorm open for people who Mm -hmm. just need like a two week stay during holidays or during summer breaks. Because a lot of leases, even if you move off campus, a lot of leases don't start until mid-August and a lot Mm -hmm. of leases end at the end of July. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people who don't have stable homes to go to have to figure out what they're going to do for two or three weeks. So I think mm-hmm. it would be nice if the university just kept like maybe one dorm open, mm-hmm. even if it's like for a charge or for whatever, and it yeah. gets charged to a student account or anything. I think when it comes down to where do you sleep or how much money do you pay, a lot of people would choose the option of having a safe place to sleep. Right, right. So how would you pay for like campus housing when you don't have financial aid? Mm, that's like hard. um I mean knowing um, like if you don't have a place to go when the dorms close mm-hmm. that probably means obviously like you don't have other resources mm-hmm. so yeah if you had the ability to pay $800 for temporary housing or mm-hmm. you know $500 you like you would have done that mm-hmm. um so. I would say since considering the demographics who would need the housing wouldn't have immediate mm-hmm. cash just like that, I think mm-hmm. the easiest thing that the university could still do and still um, collect this revenue would be just mm-hmm. to charge it on their mm-hmm. student account. Mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. then they'd be responsible for paying for it the following semester with their refund or something. Mm-hmm. I think right, right, I right, think right. That's, that's doable. I think so. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you think you can use? How can you contribute to educating staff mm-hmm. and other students and all of that stuff? Mm-hmm. So to educate students, I would say to first kind of like eliminate the thought process that you're going to be judged if you ask for help. Because Mm -hmm. if you're judged anyways, if you ask for help, you're asking in the wrong place anyways. Because I can only imagine that if now that I don't face those issues or struggles anymore, if someone Mm -hmm. was to come to me and say, hey, Grace, I don't have anywhere to stay. What do I do? I would be more than willing to help because I can't imagine anyone Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty right. sure the people who do want to help, they feel just that same way. So mm-hmm. people are willing to help if only, so the advice to students is just seek the help because people mm-hmm. want the help. They just don't know you need the help because you don't ask. And mm-hmm. then for faculty and staff, I would say just to be empathetic um, mm-hmm. because there might be an assumption that everyone who goes to NC State is rich and is, is made and parents are rich and this mm-hmm. and the other, but that's not everyone. And even mm-hmm. even for someone with a rich parent, what if their parents hate them and don't want them back in the house or something? So you right. just never know. So just being willing to help, I guess, because mm-hmm. students are in college because they don't want to face these things down the line. Mm-hmm. So just help them get to the end of the line kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like, did any of your teachers or instructors know or any of your, like, campus job supervisors know that you didn't have a place to stay? Or no. that you didn't, that you no, were going I, hungry sometimes? <laughs> no, I, um, and during that summer, I actually wore catering. So hunger mm-hmm. wasn't an issue because I just got so much food from work. But in terms of places to stay, I just, I don't know. I think this is just me having like mm-hmm. a big de- defense wall sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ask for help from people who I know would be no help at all. So right. I just mm-hmm. didn't bother asking. I think mm-hmm. that was kind of what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think that's important too. Is that um, there's a student doesn't look homeless, you mm-hmm. know, or um, that it can be very hidden, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like you have to look for it. Definitely. Do you want to talk about anything else? Because we've been going here <laughs> almost an hour and a half. So, what would you like to end on? We oh, talked about oh, tons of stuff. And on saying that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. as long as you're willing to look at that light. So look at the ultimate end goal and not at all the darkness around you, and you will get to the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, and we're excited because we'll have you back here at NC State because you were accepted into the luxury management graduate degree. Yep. Graduate program. <laughs> so that um, also exciting. We won't miss you. We, <laughs> we don't have to miss you <laughs> mm-hmm. for a bunch of time. So thank you so much, Grace. Thank You're you my so hero. <laughs> You're amazing. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Uh, bye. <laughs>
Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about student support services at NC State.